Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast, where our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Monica Wesley, the founder for Sugar Science and your host for today's podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Antonio Citro. He is a project leader, a junior PI at the Pancreas Bioengineering Group in Milan at the DRI, Diabetes Research Institute of Milan. And his work, we're going to talk today about his work, which has a really great paper talking about the biofabrication of um, vascularized uh, islet organs and uh, for type 1 diabetes that came out in Biomaterials April 2019, and it's still very interesting and relevant today. So welcome, Antonio. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Monica, for the nice invitation. Um, I just wanted to um, say thanks uh, again from coming to us all the way from Milan. And I wondered how, can you talk to us about how you became scientifically interested in type 1 diabetes? Yeah, um, I, I'm a biotechnologist as a formation. And that when I started university, uh, some of my parents, I'm a member of my family, were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Right. And so I decided to be devoted at least to the research in type 1 diabetes. And uh, in Milan, there are two centers actually that are studying type 1 diabetes and had the chance to uh, obtain a project, a thesis project in uh, beta cell replacement strategy in uh, Sarafelli Institute in Milan at the uh, laboratory of Lorenzo Piemonti. And at that time, uh, um, I started working uh, in a project that was aimed to uh, immunomodulate the islet engraftment after intrahepatic islet transplantation. And uh, I chose this project because uh, in Sarafelli, uh, we have a facility for human islet isolation and mm -hmm. human islet transplantation. So for a younger scientist, it's a great opportunity because you can start working in vitro then in preclinical models. And if you have great results, you can try to start thinking about how to translate in clinical application. Okay. And uh, in 2012, uh, I published this paper and I got the chance to move the preclinical application at that, what time, at, what time, at that time I was studying the immunomodulation of 6CR1, 6CR2 chemical receptor uh, after intrahepatic transplantation. And since we obtain very good results in preclinical models, we move in a clinical application. Cool. Um, as a beta cell replacement uh, young scientist, uh, I start also to realize limitation of the intrahepatically transplantation and so um, in uh, during my phd and up later in the postdoc i start moving my research in uh, in also organ engineering uh, because i realized the fact that although you can modulate islet transplant after transplantation is a kind of unfair competition mm -hmm. so you are losing half of the preparation by the way because you have uh, surgical damage immune reaction or coagulative cascade so i start thinking another way around so i had the possibility to modulate the islet engraftment prior the implantation so in order to generate a scaffold that you can control ex vivo and you can test prior the implantation. And so uh, at that time was coming out some paper in um, the relevance of extracellular metrics uh, and islet survival. Uh, if you coat plate with this uh, protein from extracellular metrics, you can prolong the islet survival. So at, at the same time, there were other paper talking about organ decellarization. So I start thinking about the possibility to decel organ use the native extracellular metrics to harbor 
pancreatic islets and then revascularize them in a bioreactor for days and then test the organ ex vivo and then implant later in preclinical models. Um, and, that's, uh, and that's more or less the summary of my previous and present interest uh, in type 1 diabetes research. So you, you know, you've kind of looked at this process and now you've been sort of tinkering with each step of, of the process and refining it as you go. Is that what, does that sound right? Yeah, because I mean, uh, the cool thing, I mean, I start thinking like organ, like a computer, no? So at the end, an organ has uh, like an hardware and software yeah. and uh, you can, uh, kind of reprogram organ. Uh, now you can reprogram also cells with CRISCAS, uh, and so you can tune cells uh, uh, in the way in which you want, actually. If you want to immunoisolate cells, you can genetically engineer cells in order to escape the immune system. But if you think an organ, organ has like a, a function because the function is assigned by the cells that can program the soft the hardware actually so um at the beginning we start actually working also to, with the pancreas for example but pancreas has a lot of limitation from surgical point of view the beta cell mass is less than five percent so at the end you need an organ that is more efficient and so we start thinking when I was in Boston, the art lab, we started also working in the, uh, looking at which organ is the best organ to harbor pancreatic islets. And we identified the lung. And uh, the, the idea was we can desell, so preserve the hardware of the organ, and then resell with different cells. And so you can reprogram the function of the organ in order to not have any more lung. But at the end, you have a scaffold that can be like a, and a vascularized elite organ, so makes mm -hmm. the, the organ function. So we start tuning uh, over the time the process in order to overcome different limitations that we see in the elite transplantation setting. So, so when you were in Harvard Arts Lab at Harvard, and yeah. um, and and I, I know that uh, just from the literature, several other groups had looked at uh, de-scaffolding other, you know, uh, organs like mm -hmm. kidney and then putting the eyeless in there. And we talked a little bit about that earlier. But why did you guys uh, decide to go with the lung? I mean, what was the reasoning? Yeah, I mean, there are several reasons. So, uh, I mean, the, the first is because uh, we start thinking to repopulate an organ in a different compartment. So in a bioreactor, you can control the seeding. And so you want to have and a compartment for the islets and a compartment for the vascular network. These two compartments need to be seeded independently. And then in the bioreactor, in the organ culture perfusion systems, taking advantage of the lung architecture in this case, you can make the connection between the two compartments. So it makes the islet like a, a, an endocrine niche because the, the lung has two important uh, characteristic. The first, in the airspace, you have the alveoli that uh, in dimension they are 300 micrometers and the, the dimension fits perfectly with our uh, human pancreatic islets. And the alveoli are surrounded by a dense capillary network. So if you see the endothelial cells from artery and vein, and then you see the islets through the trachea, at the beginning those compartments are disconnected. But after culture in seven days, in something that is not anymore alarmed, but you impose a difference, a function. At the end, you have a connection between the vascular tree 
and then the airspace, so the pancreatic islets. And we, we proved that in the paper. So actually, we perfused beads in the vascular tree after seven days. These beads were uh, uh, of a dimension of 20 micrometers. So if you have a tight endothelium, these beads can go from the artery exactly to the airspace. And then so we see these beads exactly in the close proximity of the pancreatic islets, showing that the vascular engineering that we have performed during the, our protocol uh, were sufficient enough to establish a connection between the two compartments. And uh, to prove that, we also tested the lung in a, for a, like a, in, let's say intravenous glucose tolerance test. So we make a, in a high glucose challenge, like a perfusion, dynamic perfusion test, and we see uh, in response to the lower high glucose a release of insulin. And so we were able to demonstrate function ex vivo prior implantation, and then we moved to the. Um, to the in vivo transplantation, and we tested uh, like vascularly or subcutaneous space. I mean, different sites because we want to compare with the uh, gold standard or a new site of implantation, clinical relevant site for implantation. So, and, and so we, we actually performed this in order to make a complete organ before transplantation. Yeah, it was a really nice paper. It's very, very uh, clean. The work looked really great. But I Wonder, so now, so that's that paper. So now you came back to Milan and now in your own laboratory, what are you doing there? Uh, yeah, this, this is a good question. I actually, I, I'm tuning the, the platform. So, you know, because um, once you have a platform, a proof of concept in your hands, mm -hmm. uh, the next level is uh, how we fill the gap with the, with the, between preclinical application and clinical application. So, um, uh, as you can imagine in the in the vio, we call the vio for friends actually. So <laughs> you have three different elements, so extracellular matrix, endothelial cells, and pancreatic islets. And now the, the technology is ready to modulate and tune all of these elements in different ways. So you can, for example, modulate the extracellular matrix, uh, coating different elements in order to reduce fibrosis, for example, or mm -hmm. improve vascularization or immune protect the system or you can use different source of endothelial cells or other in other way around you can use different source of beta cells now the world of stem cells is really growing fast yeah. and there are a lot of uh, way great paper in the recent in the last two months uh, comes there were a lot of publication talking about different protocol to improve better and better and better the function of ips differentiated beta cells so uh, we are working in all of this strategy the problem is I mean, you are tuning a lot in order to find the great combination of all of these elements uh, to make a vio viable for human islet transplantation. And there are postdocs now in the team that are working, for example, in understanding the cell-to-cell -cell interaction, because now we know that it's able to work, but we want to tune really good the architecture of the structure. And there are other guys that are using the vio as, um, as extracorporeal human pancreas. So if you have like an organ in your hands that mimics the, the endocrine pancreas, you can yeah. test different other elements like um, immune cells, like uh, yeah. compounds. Uh, and so we are tuning the platform in different way. So and you have really a exciting. really, yeah, it's very exciting. And you have a really um, collaborative space there, uh, if, if I'm not wrong, right at the DRI in Milan, right? Yeah. 
yeah, we are, there are a lot of, uh, we are dividing subgroups. So there are people that work in stem cells, people that are like immunologists, for, and there are other people that are uh, studying, uh, let's say, secondary um, disease related to diabetes, like ne nephropathy or endothelial degeneration, that for us it's really important since we can restore the vascular tree of the endocrine niche. So yeah, there are a lot of uh, great teams and we can, uh, uh, we can tune the biotechnology from different angles and try to understand the pros and cons when we uh, arrived at some point or some stage of evolution and so we can come back or tune again so it's really yeah no that it's it sounds like it's a great place to be very um rich in you know people's expertise but all focused on on diabetes which is like optimal yeah, <laughs> yeah. so what so just hypothetically like what are your thoughts about scaling the technology you've got going already yeah uh, Yes, it's scaling the a product is always uh, really a bottleneck. I'm saying, it's, <laughs> yes. indeed, uh, yeah, yeah, because um, always the problem is that when you have a platform, the first thing, the first thoughts is, okay, I want to make ATMP out of that. So, and uh, to make an ATMP, there are a lot of things that you have think about at the beginning. So, for example, in organ engineering, you have to scale the bioreactor, you have to scale the organ cell production. So, it's really complex. Uh, uh, complex world, I'd say, as yes. an academic is always something that you not see at the beginning, but at some point you have to face with. Um, and uh, we are also thinking uh, in scaling in order to reach human applications. So the first level uh, would be the testing these, uh, these application in porcine mode. Mm -hmm. So we want to scale, you know, also because in in uh, preclinical animal model like rats, like mice, it's uh, they're fantastic because you can uh, mimic what happens in human application. So you can make, for example, humanized mice and test uh, the immunogenicity of your uh, scaffold and so on. But they are not mimic really good what happens when you scale up everything. So if you have like a huge yeah. organ uh, <laughs> seeded with a huge amount of cells. Uh, uh, it's a matter of cost and also advantages and disadvantages, but sooner or later we have to move in that direction. Are there, um, are there big uh, pharma or biotech companies in Italy who are moving in this direction, interested in partnering with uh, scientists? Yeah, there are some. Uh, I mean, uh, there are, for example, uh, uh, there are, um, the first one that, uh, which, in which I was in contact at the beginning uh, uh, in, um, in, uh, during my thesis was Dompe, that is actually every time I'm involved in this, uh, I mean, interested in type 1 diabetes research, this Entera, there are a lot of other uh, companies that are interested. The mm -hmm. problem is that uh, sometimes this kind of approach are really cost, costly. I mean, they cost a lot, and so they need to really be focus if it's able to work or not. So we are collecting a lot of data in order to see if it's the chance to work with a company as well. I mean, yeah, that's, that's great. It'd be great to have a partnership. And we, we know Paulo Fiorina, he's featured yeah. on the sugar science in the lab spotlight. And also we spoke to Giovanni Amabo, who's heading mm -hmm. up his Entera company and they have something really exciting going over the, on over there. So that's, that would be a cool partnership. Um, where do you think, just sort of these are hypothetical big questions, like where do you think a cure from, uh, for type 1 diabetes is going to come from? 
you think it's going to be multidisciplinary? I mean, it's going to be a layered effect. You're going to have to have, you know, your scaffold and then, you know, someone else's like pristine cells, maybe Doug Melton's cells, but now those are at Veritex. So, I mean, how is it all going to come together? Yeah, I mean, um, that's a really good question. I mean, uh, the, 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 as a beta cell replacement scientist, I would say that cure for type 1 disease will come from beta cell replacement. Yeah. But if you talk with immunologists, I mean, everybody can say it's coming from my topic. But on the other hand, I think that it's like uh, an orchestra. At the end, uh, yeah. uh, everybody needs to, to play a a piece of the story and also because as you mentioned is a really multidisciplinary um, disease so actually in all of the and if you read all of the papers that are coming out also in paper talking about engineering scaffold every time people are also touching is let's say immune escaping or stem cells because now the evolution of the disease is really um, I mean, evolution of, in order to find the solution is uh, growing. So there is uh, always uh, the need of uh, having start to be in connection. So networking with other scientists that are working, for example, in stem cell field, like like using the Doug Melton cells, for example, or uh, hyperimmune cells or genetics. So I don't say that the cure is coming from one single topic, but is really a cooperation uh, from different scientists, from different angle, and uh, from different. I mean, it should be like a cooperation. Yeah, it's interesting because I've asked that to almost every scientist we've interviewed and every single one has said the same thing, that it's going to be, and I liked how you said it's an orchestra because that's really a perfect uh, visual for that. But yeah. um, I wonder, so just sort of like just thinking ahead. Okay, so you've got your scaffold. It's, you know, in the porcine model, it's implanted or even, you know, and all's going well. Um, what do you envision, you know, uh, the, how would you protect it now? The newly implanted islet, how, how do you envision protecting it from the memory cells and the immune, autoimmune, you know, resurgent attack? Yeah, that's, that's the, the evolution, I think, I mean, uh, of, the, of the process. Uh, we are working on that. And uh, uh, I think that a possible solution is the gene editing. Mm. And or uh, the uh, the modulation of the scaffold per se. I mean, the fact that you can because the the the, the things that you can tune the scaffold prior to implantation helps you to uh, understand which are the bottleneck to overcome and try to overcome ex vivo. So you can handle everything prior the implantation and try to adapt the system in order to overcome this reaction. For example. In, if you have a diesel organ in a bioreactor, you can selectively perfuse the organ with the molecules uh, it's, uh, only in the vascular tree, only in the airspace. And so you can coat the extracellular matrix with different compounds. So you can control, for example, let's say the fibrosis or uh, the, the, the immune reaction in that compartment. But mm -hmm. if you want, for example, that other compartment have to react because you want that there should be a reaction against something you cannot cause the other side of the organ so it's a it's a process that you can tune every time uh, dependently by what you want to see at the end for example if you have uh, the organ ex vivo and you want to modulate and to mimic the immune reaction that you have in, pan in the pancreas in a patient you want that t-cells 
gonna invade the pancreatic islet. Although you have engineered something that mimic, you know, so you spend time to engineer that, but at the end, you, will, you can perfuse uh, uh, cells, leukocytes, and see what happens over the time. Mm-hmm. Or you can, study the, the, you can study the product that you can obtain out of the perfusion. I mean, uh, so um, you can work in, in a different way. You can modulate different part of the, the puzzle that you have in your hands in order to really control what you want. So if you want to generate something that is able to work in, um, in uh, vivo, you want to escape the immune system. So you can uh, control scaffold, cells, endothelial cells or pancreatic islets in that direction. If you want to, in that, in that other scenario, you want to mimic what happens in life and in, in the type 1D pancreas at the onset, you don't want that. And so you want to perfuse leukocytes that are, are reactive actively against the pancreatic islets. So it's depending on whatever you want to do. It's very... Yeah. Um, multitasking technology I think yeah it's a very robust platform because like you said you can mimic the onset of the disease using this platform and you can actually see how it is um, you know and and also create islets that are uh, the scaffolded islets that are ready for implantation so it does seem like there's a lot of room for exploration yeah Um, um, so I just wondered um, I guess I wanted to ask, uh, what do you think, you know, uh, do, do you have um, a lot of uh, applicants from postdocs and graduate students uh, right now? And um, what do you think, uh, what would you like to say to young researchers? I mean, uh, given the challenges of COVID and the constraints that are, you know, coming up. Uh, I started to have my own group uh, recently, so uh, I would love if other scientists also coming from the United States will join Milan to be part of uh, our unit. Uh, but, and now we have some uh, postdocs, but there is a possibility also to work here. So I would also use this spot to say if someone uh, wants to join, just send an email. But um, for COVID-19, is really, really challenging topic because uh, in Milan, we start uh, before that pandemic situation moves to the other part of the world. And I remember that we were awaiting uh, colleagues to say, guys, this will, will, will go everywhere. But uh, the, the fact that we were facing, firstly, with COVID-19, we start to understand previously how you have to tune the research. So the challenge is how you have to rethink about how you want to do research in your lab. So yeah. the wet the science needs to be completely changed. You have to select which, are, which experiment needs to be performed as first and which experiment needs to be performed at last, at least. So um, this was the good challenge. And uh, I think that unfortunately, young scientists, let's say like undergraduate students or PhD, um, will not have the same as now, the same, uh, um, the same evolution that I had the chance to have because I spent daily in the lab in order to understand every single step. With community, for example, we are in a turning mode. So there is no the same time for everybody to stay at the bench. So uh, these are very particular time. I hope that we will come out soon, but and then this will be it's a really challenge and it's a very complex to yeah to, to, it is. To handle it's, all it's, of this yeah it is i mean it is good in some ways that italy has gone through and probably you will come out first 
but you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's for every uh, PI is trying to organize, you know, um, their kitchen basically, you know, who's, yeah. who needs to be cooking this, who needs to be doing this. Exactly. What's exactly. Uh, what needs to happen to keep the, you know, the operation yeah, You have to combine uh, smart working and wet, uh, bench work and so and you have to select who has to do so it's just the other the, the, the thing so i mean it's a it's really complex i think what do you think the timeline is for getting back to i mean i don't know if you can even say this but getting back to normal and the timeline for getting things into the porcine model uh i mean uh, the the timeline uh, to to the porcine model would be i think uh uh, it's hard to say. I mean, <laughs> I hope in one year, but uh, I mean, it's uh, it de- I mean, depends uh, a lot by everything. I mean, but a lot of things. You know, you know, you have to to tune the the pore sign vascularizer organ at least, and uh, and understand if it's the, the the function is comparable to what we have already seen in the red. So it's a it's a very challenge to answer this question. But uh, my hope is soon. That's <laughs> the the, That's the good. point. Good enough. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I also, I will definitely pr- um, put your email on our, um, on the podcast and the intro part. So if anyone is interested in working or reaching out to you to talk about working um, in this fascinating uh, realm, they'll have that. But is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I mean, uh, I, I enjoy this time, so I would just say that uh, if there is some young scientist, since, since I'm young, I mean, I can't define me young, uh, interested uh, in uh, making research type 1 diabetes, they should pursue this because this is really a, a very fascinating disease. I mean, although it's a disease, you can learn a lot from different perspectives. So that's uh, really cool from a scientific perspective and uh, i enjoy really this time and thank you i mean for for this opportunity thank you so much antonio it was a pleasure speaking with you and it's a really fast we're going to keep an eye on what you're doing it's a fascinating uh, construct what you've got going so thank you once more